welcome to Cyberdeck Users Weekly, a, a, a magazine about how to use and own technology, and it comes out once a week or twice a week. Um, yeah, someone was giving me crap about the bi-weekly thing. Apparently, bi-weekly means every two weeks, but then I looked it up, and sometimes it means twice a week. You know what? What what do words even mean? Um, yeah, so this is a one of those chill Saturday solo apps. And I'm trying something new today. This is going to be Topical Tech News uh, Issue 1. Um, it's been really interesting being off the Verge cast how little the decisions and plans and announcements of big tech companies really impact me. It seems like I'm getting, I'm, I like the direction I'm headed where, you know, mo I'm more and more reliant on open source hardware. I'm hoping to get like Graphene OS going, then I'm even less dependent on Google. But, you know, I, I, I use Android, but I already have like, almost everything that I can turn off, turned off on my phone. Um, so, you know, um, like I'm really interested in this, you know, upcoming WWDC because of the ARM stuff. Um, you know, right now I'm doing app development in React Native, so it does kind of matter a little bit what Apple and Google do to their operating systems. But as far as this show goes, I feel like I've been really enjoying focusing on interesting open source projects and people working on interesting open source software uh, and hardware. Um, I'm hoping to get some some more open source hardware type stuff going as well. But anyways, th these, these tech companies, they still exist, turns out, still doing stuff. Uh, so I figured I'd talk about it. And, you know, um, yeah. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Sorry for all this preamble. The The other thing I've been kind of thinking about is like, what was my role on the Vergecast? And, um, I, you know, obviously the big big news of the month is Skate 4. And so I went back and listened to um, my, um, I did like a little weekly segment about Skate 4 when um, they joked about it a year ago when EA, EA made a joke about Skate 4 at the end of their presser, and it was very painful, and I was really mad. And I just realized, like, how it's like, you know, that the meme with the, the owl, you know, here's how to draw an owl. It's like two circles, and then you draw the rest of the owl. Uh, I feel like I'm the guy who, like, is maybe okay at, like, doing some feathers, you know? But, like, if I was trying to draw a whole owl, like, when I... When I talk about a tech company, I usually can't remember the name of the CEO. I can't remember a lot of the proper nouns involved. Um, I, I I have a hard time grasping overall strategy or or a lot of the big picture stuff about a tech company. Um, but I'm really hyper focused on some certain technical aspects, like you know, ARM Max is really interesting to me. Um, and so, so yeah, anyways, that, 
I feel like I'm really not the right person to do a tech news podcast solo. Uh, but anyways, these are the things I wanted to talk about. So let's talk about them. Skate 4. Thank goodness we're getting a Skate 4. And uh, if you're not aware, there are these very good video games called Skate. They're made by very um, bizarrely incompetent or evil or something company uh, called EA. And they're just so much fun. And I've spent a lot of hours, I would say Skate games are my my favorite video games ever. I probably spent at this point more hours in Overwatch. But what I like about skate is just sort of skating around in this world, you know? It, I really like that there's um you know, they're always trying to add a little bit of story and you're like skate 2 you're kind of fighting the cops a little bit or you know, you're um what it's called. You're like busting off those little grind stopper things on rails and stuff. But, and you know, do you try to make a narrative of you going from zero to, you know, pro skater or whatever. But for me, what it's really about is this world where you just have this form of expression, which is doing tricks on your skateboard. And it's very pleasing to move around in this world. And I really like to like play it and like listen to audiobooks or podcasts or whatever. It's just, it's just one of the most relaxing things um, I can imagine. Um, another game kind of along these lines, I really like Burnout Paradise. Um, so anyways, EA finally announced Skate 4. Um, it was like their one more thing at their press conference, which I wasn't actually watching, so I missed the, the actual moment. A friend told me Skate 4 is coming out. And what's really interesting about Skate 4 is that we are getting three skate fours um there are two games that have been in the works they're both in early access and they're very interesting and i actually when i built my pc i was like really focused on these two skate games and i was really excited like i need a pc to play these early access skate games so there's session and skater xl and it's a little hard to tell like which of them is better, but they kind of both seem like really great in, in their own ways. Um, Session is sort of a more open world um, New York. Skater XL is more, seems a little more levels based. Um, Session seems a little higher end graphically. Skater XL seems like they've gotten some like, like pump mechanics like before, uh, before Session did. Uh, so, I don't I need to I need to get both of these games I need to play them. What I'm kind of hoping for though is like these games had this sort of unlimited runway where they can just you know, it's small teams building skateboard games out of pure passion and love of the genre and obviously very inspired by skate where both of them kind of diverge a little bit from the skate model is in skate you you have a single stick you like your left stick on your controller is for steering basically and your right stick is for doing the tricks and skater xl and session i believe they have both have a a mode where you can control it like the classic skate controls but they also have this ability to use one stick per foot 
which sounds terrifying and maybe like might be too hard for my my old brain and hands but um I, I'm I'm excited to, to that they're they're about to go up against the juggernaut. EA's gonna be putting hopefully millions and millions of dollars into Skate 4, right? This this looks like a game that's gonna come out in like 2022. <laughs> but maybe maybe we'll get lucky and it's a 2021. I don't it looks like they're so early, like they're making jokes in the announcement. Like there was no footage, no pictures, nothing. It was just a couple of dudes saying like, oh yeah, we got to wake some people up to, to start working on this. Like they look extremely early, but it kind of puts this deadline and um, pressure because like I think Session and Skater XL could both be better than Skate 4 possibly. And if they're not, you know, I, w I feel like I win no matter what. It's just so exciting. But I, I, I like this, like maybe we'll end up in a world where like, you know, there was a time when like Quake was the first person shooter. And um, then, um, you know, Half-Life came out. It was like Quake 3 Arena. I, I think I have this timeline right. Quake, Quake 3 Arena was revolutionary. And like it was a lot of those pieces have been in place, but they just really combined them all. And they, you know, they, it was like internet native, like a multiplayer game that was really designed to be played on the internet. Um, then Half-Life came out and then there was this amazing mod for Half-Life Counter-Strike Valve bought the team or whatever that was doing Counter-Strike. So then they had Counter-Strike and then you kind of had this really good console generation and Call of Duty became ascendant in shooters. And so I, I, and like, there's never really been a Quake that was anywhere close to the importance of Quake 3 Arena. And so I feel like maybe we could end up in, in that sort of place here where Skate 1, 2, and 3 established the how cool this genre could be. And then maybe Session and Skater XL will like evolve it in the, in the next way. And the, I hope they're wonderful. And, and um, they, they also have a lot of benefits. Like they have lots of different ways of controlling and a lot of settings for how you, how you want to control stuff. They have um, mods already. Um, and especially Skater XL seems to have a lot of user generated maps. They don't like look amazing, but there's a lot of potential there. But you know, my ideal, skate game is just a big open world that I can explore through this mechanism. And, and I don't think too hard. And I just listen to my audiobook. I also really want a skateboarding game that is a, sh a competitive multiplayer shooter. Um, I feel like you're doing like a trick when you're in a trick combo, you're like generating shield somehow. And then, you know, you fly up out of a half, pipe and you take some shots at some and then you zoom back to, I don't know I think there I think there's a there's more to be explored here and I'm excited to see this becoming like hopefully a whole genre and not you know we've been really we've been we've been hurt a lot of times by very bad skateboarding games and now we're kind of on the the cusp of having potentially three amazing skateboarding games. So anyways, really excited about Skate 4.
Okay, so next topical tech news, we have <laughs> this Hey email app, which it's interesting. I really haven't actually looked into it of, I just don't, it, there are so many things I dislike about email, but they make me kind of want to get off email. And I feel like there's that, I think Hey has, it. Hey is this app from the people who made Basecamp. And um, I don't know, I, I don't have like a, a, a great fondness for Basecamp because I've like used it as a product. Um, it's classically a company that is very comfortable being very incremental and um, with its features, very conservative with what it adds, which I think is a lot of people really appreciate that you don't get a lot of churn. You've got a real stability and you can really get to know something. To say, uh, But for me, I just, Basecamp never clicked with me and I felt like, wow, this is moving so slowly as far as progress um, and solving my actual problems. So, I, you know, I wasn't bullish on this company being the right one to, to fix email. And, and my bigger thing is that, you know, I just, I want to have a little bit more ownership over my email. I don't want to, you know, pay for someone else's domain email address. I don't really want to be depend, very, like, very dependent on a centralized service for my email. So it's not really that appealing to me as a product, but it's really appealing as like a, you know, they're going up against one of the most successful products of all time, which is Gmail. And uh, it sounds like people are really into it, really liking it, except for Big Bad Apple, which, um, yeah, I think everybody should listen to this this um, Vergecast episode, uh, which has, um, uh, I can never remember his name. It's THH. So the guy from Basecamp, the guy who like made Rails, right? Um, uh, David Heinemeier, God, Heinemeier Hansen, and then Representative David Ciceline, um are on the Vergecast, and they're talking about Apple. And I really like DHH's um, thought process, the way he's thinking about this, where it's like, he's not asking Apple to stop taking its 30% cut. He's asking Apple to let people install software on the iPhone. Um, and just like on the Mac, you can go through the Mac App Store if you want the Mac App Store experience, you want that promotion, um, that peace of mind for the user, you know, all, all the things that you can possibly get with an App Store, but he also wants there to be um, installing. And I guess what I, what I worry a lot about when when the government gets pulled into these technology conversations is that a lot of a lot of regulation that seems like it's designed to rein in uh, like a, a big tech monopoly or or duopoly or triopoly or how many opolies can you have I don't know um, a lot of times it seems like it's it's like we're trying to help the little guy compete against, you know, this, this behemoth. But a lot of times it seems like it ends up enshrining that, that, that tech company as the forever provider of that service. You know, it's like, it, 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 you get this, um, 
you get this like buddy buddy relationship ultimately. It doesn't seem like it at first, it seems really antagonistic. And it's the government going after this big company and trying to cut them down to size. But eventually it just seems like, you know, this is a utility, this is something that everybody needs forever. And so, you know, all the government's gonna help make sure it's always fair. But also it seems like the government helps perpetuating it forever. And I have this um, way of thinking about the way technology progresses where you have the, the, the walled garden is this, it's this time when you have an idea that's not obviously good and it's not obviously finished. It's not um, entirely clear um, that it's the right way to do things or whatever. And so you, you, you make a company around it and you put it in a walled garden, you protect it in some sense, you know, and you, you, and you profit from it. And I feel like what happens eventually is once we realize the collective, um, everybody kind of realizes this is a really good idea. That's when you get the open version of that. And I think we're definitely technically capable now of having the open version of, of what app stores are. You know, like there's F-Droid on Android, for instance. It's open source software, the, you know, the review process. Like there's a lot of open source software re repositories that they're not just, oh, you got code, put it in here. You know, there's a lot of checking for compatibility and checking for breakages, checking for security. Um, and yet they're still open source. So I think we're definitely capable and more capable now than we were when the App Store first showed up. So that's why I, I never begrudge a company sort of starting out closed in that sense. I'm, I'm still kind of bugged that the iPhone, seems like the iPhone could have allowed users to install software um, all along. But I'm not that mad at the App Store, um, but what I don't think it would be natural that we just have the app store forever and uh, we just regulate it really well, you know, because it's sort of a, in a sense, it's admitting defeat or it's, it's, it, it might perpetuate the walled garden situation artificially, which I feel like there's something about walled gardens where they do kind of run their course. I know this is vague, but these are sort of just... It's kind of the way I think about it. Um, the other really fun thing about this podcast, I tweeted about this, but they th if you're not familiar with like um, anarchist thought, it's like you kind of view the government as kind of like a mafia. It's like a protection racket, you know? Um, pay us, do this, or, you know, we'll, we'll come for you. Um, and look, you know, we're... we're uh, I think, is it Dave Smith of part of the problem is like, uh, and he might be quoting somebody else, but, you know, the government is, is like the mafia masquerading as a human rights organization. You know, every, all their PR, all their press releases, all the names of their laws are all about, you know, kindness towards humanity. But their um, implementation tactics seem um, pretty um, blunt and... Um, not very cool to me. And so this 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 guy, uh, the, the David Cicilline, this representative, uh, 
who's on the House Antitrust Community, is keeps on talking about Apple as as like kind of like a mafia and a protection racket, you know, like pay us the thirty percent cut or we'll you know we'll come for you and we'll ruin your life and ruin your business. And uh, I just I mean, yeah, I, I guess you probably have to be in that mindset of 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 a different way of thinking about the government to see that as like, Oh, you're talking, are you talking about the government right now? Um, anyways, I've, I had a lot of chuckles and I really, I thought it was really funny. And I, I mean, I also think a lot, a lot of these monopolies that we find to be, or quote unquote monopolies that we see as so unassailable, a lot of what props them up is, well, there's government contracts, you know, like Amazon, uh, famously, um, Amazon's cloud, I, I'm pretty confident, is is filled with 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 government work. Um, and but there's also, um, I think, a huge one is is patents. And I know this isn't a super popular opinion, but I think I mean patents are are sort of like asserting that you have a, a, a timed monopoly on an idea. And I just think it's really artificial. I mean, we, we have this concept of, of intellectual property, but it, it really just doesn't make a ton of sense. The idea of, of not being able to copy ideas uh, is, is kind of weird. It's kind of artificial. It's, it's very, very different than physical property because ideas can be copied without theft. You know, like if I have some land you, if you want to also have that land, like we have a real problem. If I have an idea and then you also want to have that idea, I don't have to relinquish that idea for you to have it. Now, I might be bothered that you copied me. And um, yeah, but I, I might, I, I, it might be annoying. It, it might, it might kind of be a lame look for you. Like, oh, you don't have any of your own ideas. But there's also ideas that, you know, there's it's kind of their time has come, you know, they're invented simultaneously, like five different places. But whoever gets the the permission from the government to have the monopoly on it just gets to have the monopoly on it. It really it doesn't seem very much about incentivizing a, a competition or innovation um, and you have these big companies with these huge patent moats and these constant patent mills, like, and they're always pressuring their engineers to patent more and more because it's 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 a way to fend off competition. So you know, Apple famously sued Samsung for I think it was design patents. I'm always I'm always getting this wrong. Um, like. Samsung was obviously ripping off Apple design and, and the, you know, the phone icon and things like that. But also like the smartphone was an idea whose time had come and um, the government ended up sort of propping up a monopoly uh, or what was, you know, becoming a, a, a sort of monopoly or a duopoly of, um, yeah. And like you had all these, I mean, the whole like first decade of smartphones is is kind of a huge patent war and standoff. Um, I also, you know, I've talked about this a lot of times on the Vergecast, but like, you know, GPUs are a really hard market to enter because of all the patents. 
I believe CPUs are similar. And so it's like one of these things where a good idea, you can't even come up with it independently, right? Patents aren't just a thing where it's like, here's the secret sauce, we'll show it to you if, um, if you pay us. It's like, even if you're independent and come to the same conclusion that this is a good idea, patents still bar that person um, from it. So it's, it's a real government enforced monopoly. And it's not surprising to me that people are mad at these companies for their monopoly powers, but I, I end up typically blaming the government. Uh, and that might just be my bias, but I, I think the government has a lot to blame here propping up these walled garden situations longer than is natural or necessary. I mean, I mean, think about like, um, you know, Geohot and, and hacking the, the PlayStation 3. Like, um, as far as I know, like, I think Sony won that lawsuit. I, I think that they settled out of court, but, you know, Geohot wasn't allowed to hack anymore. And so, you know, it's not obvious and clearly illegal to jailbreak an iPhone and put your own software on it, but it kind of seems a little illegal. Um, and the government helps perpetrate that as well. So like, even if you had this, you know, you could, you could imagine a world where um, I, a new iPhone comes out a month or two later, somebody releases a thing that you like, you plug into the lightning port of the iPhone it jailbreaks it, and now you have a phone that runs, you know, slightly modified Apple software. It's illegal to modify copyrighted software, um, especially selling that as a product. But I think even just in general. So, yeah, I, 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 you, you end up with this, this situation that's kind of artificial, where you buy something and you kind of own it, but you kind of don't. You're the farmer with a, a John Deere tractor, and you're not allowed to install your own software on it. So anyways, those are some of the things that I think about um, the, the Hey app situation. I, I do kind of want to check it out. I'm just curious what they've done user interface wise, but. Um, okay, so next topical tech news, audio tweets. I've tried to care about this and I can't say that I do, except to, I've always wondered, like, especially when, when YouTube was becoming a big deal, like, I feel like we now live in one of the first times in a long time where you could have a relatively advanced society without literacy. You know, you could just, everything could be video and audio. And, and obviously the way we make this technology um, is, is kind of an advanced form of literacy of computer programming. But, um, like, uh, you know, so maybe the base layer is always going to involve some amount of literacy, but you could have the upper layers where most of the users, you know, spend 99.9% .9 of their time be word free or uh, written word free. Um, which like, I, I just try to keep an open mind to it. And I try not to be um, I try not to wring my hands when we go a little less literate in some ways, because I think there's, I mean, one, I think the, the, there's a bias that I think I would naturally have towards the written word because I've been successful with the written word. 
Um, I come off a lot smarter and at least I think I do. I come off smarter and more interesting and more well-reasoned when I write something than when I talk out loud. Uh, but there's also people who um, are not as as much of a you know a writer type, you know. Like I was just quoting like Dave Swit Smith, this anarchist. You know, he's read a ton of books and he's a really um, knowledgeable and s seems smart to me when he's talking. But when he tweets, like he says the word to T O O, but he does it T O, you know. And it's like there's some people who are just gonna look dumb when they write but get them look smart when they talk out loud. And so I don't want to be like biased against that. I don't think writing is necessarily like the, um, the pinnacle of, of human expression. So, uh, but audio tweets just, I don't know, I guess it makes sense. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to hurt in any way, but it's interesting. Post literate society. What, what would that look like? Okay. So next uh, topical tech news. This is already a little old, but a uh, PlayStation Five reveal. Um, it's kind of weird watching it because it's so low res. That stream, you know, with like a billion people or whatever watching it simultaneously, and it's like 1080p 30. Uh, and this is supposed to be like an 8K console. So I felt like there was some real next gen looking stuff in there. Um, a, a lot more like I felt like I had to squint to find anything that looked even sort of next gen on the Xbox uh, reveal. Um, and I felt like Sony showed up with way more games and way more next gen looking games. So pretty, um, I'm pretty bullish on Sony. Like I, I mean, a part of me, like I, I've never been good with the DualShock controller um, like basically, you know, there's two ways to make a controller these days. There's the two sticks side by side, and then there's the two sticks diagonal. You know, Sony has two sticks side by side. Xbox has them diagonal. I'm much more comfortable with the diagonal. And, um, you know, I don't know how long it would take me to get comfortable on a, on a DualShock-like controller. But I'm feeling like Sony's it looks like Sony's going to run away with this. I guess the you know obviously the still the big question is price. Um, they you know of course didn't mention a price in there. Obviously, it seems like obvious that Sony and Microsoft are are playing chicken with the price reveal. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll just both show up at five hundred dollars. Who knows? Um, the aesthetic. I can't get into the aesthetic of this console. I think it's interesting. I do think it's it's going to be the big one. That's kind of one of the reasons I just think like um, there's just sort of physics things. If you're doing more, you're going to make more heat. And like, yeah, maybe if you're a super genius, you figure out how to do more heat of in a smaller space somehow. And maybe Microsoft just did such a good job cooling the Xbox and they're generating just as much heat as, as the PlayStation five. But I have the vibe that the PlayStation five is more powerful in that, in that sense, like they're, they're ready to deal with more heat because they made a monster looking console, but maybe they just have wild, um, like BMW design people who just decided to make something weird and big. And, uh, maybe, you know, maybe I'm totally off on that assumption that it's generating more heat. I just think it looks dumb and it def definitely doesn't seem designed to match anything in your home. Um, 
I, which is interesting. I mean, I felt I always felt the PlayStation, the PlayStation Two design was amazing, and then PlayStation Two Slim, it's like my favorite, you know, design of a console ever. Um, and you know, in some sense, that doesn't. Um, and so, like, I felt like it was very, in some sense, avant-garde at the time, and maybe I just grew accustomed to it. But this. This PlayStation 5 does not seem like an aesthetic that you're supposed to grow accustomed to. It's, it's, you know, it's very loud. And anyways, I'm sure it'll be fine. Hopefully they come with like an all black version or something. Um, Last tech news. I guess I don't have a ton to say about this. I just saw it and I was really excited about it. Um, There's new Lego Mindstorms uh, robots. And you could program them with Scratch or Python um like they're coming out with it looks like new motors um like something that's really important in robotics is you can you can have a motor that's just like you turn it on and it goes forward and you turn it off and it stops going forward and you maybe can go backwards and stuff but a motor where you know exactly how much it's turned and which position it is in presently is more complicated and more difficult to make um uh, but obviously it gives the roboticist a lot more information to, to do smarter and more interesting robots. So um, these new Mindstorms seem like one of the biggest leaps in a while. Of um, And I've got a nephew who's into Mindstorms. Obviously, this is kind of a, a rich person's game. Um, but, you know, hopefully like every school robotics club, every school will have a robotics club and every robotics club will have some of these for people to have access to. Um, I just think, um, I think it's so cool that seeing this technology become more accessible and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next generation of roboticists and robots. So anyways, that's topical tech news. Uh, Issue one, let me know if this is a good idea. Uh, You know, again, like I, 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 you know, a lot of this stuff has happened over the past few weeks. Thought about doing a show about it, but it's, you know, I felt like I finally had enough things to talk about in one episode, so I thought I might as well. Um, obviously, this show is much more interested in decentralized technology, not what, what, the, what the big players are doing. But, you know, I also love Skate, and, uh, and so it's fun to, fun to express that. So anyways, uh, th- I want to th- say thank you. I feel like I've been doing real fast sign-offs lately. I should be more thankful, people. Thank you to everybody who's listening and uh, subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, you can go to paul.lol to sign up. Um, thank you to the Patreon supporters. Um, uh, that's been awesome. We, we have a Discord chat right now. Um, and I want to get something that's a little more um, cooler, like a Matrix server or something like that and then like maybe publicize it a little more widely um but yeah it's fun chatting with those people in the discord uh yeah just um um real grateful for to be able to do this and to talk about technology and i, and I love that uh some people want to listen to that so um, really appreciate it hope you have a great week hope you're doing well and uh paul